Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Canadian Gamers. This is episode 83, and we'll be lucky to get three views on this, because our last podcast was just unbelievably successful. Oh, that was my segue for me, right? Yeah, of course. I wanted you to oh, say okay. something Perfect. amazing. Yeah, some miracle happened. We got like 1,100 viewers or something, which is probably our best podcast ever. And I don't know why that happened, because we were on a long hiatus. Like uh, when Jared decided he was going off YouTube, we didn't do a, K a Nintendo Fanboys. The last one was... 30th of September, I believe. So I'm pretty pleased with the response the last two podcasts had. And this one will air on January 1st. So I'm not expecting anything uh, fantastic here. But at least we're keeping on our bi-weekly. Or is it bi-weekly? Or once every two weeks? How do you say that? Well, it'd be bi-monthly. Bi-monthly schedule. Yeah, because we're going to do it every two weeks. So, yeah, um, I was kind of surprised myself, to be honest, um, especially considering the last Canadian Gamers, episode 82, uh, was our Game of the Year, um, uh, well, awards or whatever. And um, I was really surprised because, I mean, that one did that one did well, considering, like you said, like, uh, we haven't done one in forever, considering I, I decided we were leaving YouTube. Yeah, okay, that's what happened. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's... I don't know, really surprising, and I guess we're going to name all of our uh, podcasts now, like Stephen Hates the Wii U, seems to get uh, some good uh, good traffic, and I know it was a clickbaity title, but seriously, I was really surprised. I don't know if it was the combination of the Dragon Quest stuff with your impressions yeah. of uh, Switch. But so, it was it was 100% accurate, though, it wasn't clickbait per yeah, se, but no. uh, usually when we're negative towards Nintendo sometimes I I noticed that for some reason the views go up so we should always do that always every every podcast should be Nintendo socks <laughs> well we actually have some um, those that latest report but I think we could save that the only thing I'm concerned about is when are we going to do the next fanboys episode well, we're probably gonna ha gonna do it after the Switch event, which is what the seventh or the eighth. Okay, so then what we should do? Let's talk about that then today. Then, even though it doesn't really, you know, Canadian gamers is about everything. So what the hell? Um, I I texted you this morning. I thought it was interesting. So there was an article that was released, and I'm not gonna trace it back to where it was from. I don't re really care where it was from originally, and it's it's rumors, but it seems very very realistic, the rumors, about basically how when you undock the, um, the uh, well, whatever, the, the, the system, I guess, or whatever, the, the actual tablet portion or the portable portion of it, that uh, basically 60% of the power goes down. And um, even when it's plugged in, it's not as powerful as the original Tegra 1 chip that was used in the NVIDIA Shield. And so um, the latest rumors are basically saying that it is actually um, quite, quite a bit weaker than the uh, launch Xbox One, which I thought was, um, well, interesting and... I say interesting because I just don't quite understand that um, at all, actually. And I know for years Nintendo's been saying, you know, we don't we don't target the same audience. We, we're they're not our competitors. But here's the thing that I never understood with that. Okay, if you're not really in competition with other people, why do you want Call of Duty? The minute you have a single game. On your system that's on the PlayStation 4 and or Xbox One, then yes, obviously you are in direct competition. So like I never understood that. Like that's a dumb, that's just a dumb thing to say. And I know why they say it, but it's still, I've always found it was just such a stupid argument because the minute you have multi-platform games, you are in direct competition with someone. That's the way it works. Like, I, I don't understand that. And 
I can sort of see like when when they when you have the tab. Let's just call it a tablet, okay? Whatever, or the portable, or whatever. Um, when it's not docked, I can understand the power going down. I get it because you want to conserve battery life and all that, and I I totally understand that. But here's the really weird part: the Tegra two chip, which is the current generation um, uh, chip, it was designed with that in mind. So. To me, this seems like a classic case. If this pans out, and again, we will have more information at that after that uh, that switch event. But this really does seem like a Nintendo move. It really does. This this is classic Nintendo, actually. Uh, why the gamepad didn't have on the Wii U? It didn't have a multi-touch screen. It had a uh, oh, what are they called? It's the old, 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 old ones. Um, it's like a resistive touch screen, I think is what it was called, where it, it doesn't actually just, it doesn't work like your iPhone and stuff like that. It works like the ancient touch screens from way back when. And Nintendo did that to save money. That's why they did that on the gamepad. That had nothing to do with battery life or anything like that. It was strictly money. And in this case, it seems like that's exactly what they're going to do again, is that um, they're basically going to try and save money by putting in this, I mean, last generation is what this uh, this chip is from. This is like a really old chip. And it seems like the whole point here is like, well, we can offer the system at a very affordable price, like 200 bucks or something like that. And I get that. Short term, that makes sense. But it's the long term. The long term, if if you're underpowered, everything Steven said last week is, is or was it last week, two weeks ago, whatever, um, remains valid because you're going to be completely underpowered right out of the gate if these if these rumors are true and like i said to me when i read this particular article i was like yeah this this sounds exactly like something nintendo would do and now that we're we're you know getting a lot of information on dragon quest which i'll talk a little bit about because there's actually some more information on that um Maybe that's one of the reasons why they did not or are not showing the Switch version right now. It could have something to do with that, because if it's not actually as powerful as even the Xbox One, then I doubt very much that it'll be able to run Dragon Quest Eleven, the PS4 version, as fluidly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. No, I just think their strategy here is probably to launch a system that's under $200, exactly like the Wii price point was. And I guess pretty sure that they need specific specs to be able to keep it under that price. And hopefully they're banking on the fact that they're going to be able to attract a lot of people in the first one year or two to build a user base so that eventually people won't care about the third-party drop which will happen pretty quickly so maybe that's that again these are all rumors but that's why i'm not so uh confident about the the switch right now i've actually listened to a podcast called nintendo voice chat from ign uh, yesterday and there was some very very interesting uh patents how do they call that uh when they a, pa- a patent? A patent? Yeah, patent. Patent. A patent. Okay, dropped from Nintendo, and basically the biggest surprise of that is that it's heavily rumored that the it will come with like some kind of VR headset that will simply when you undock the uh, the switch, you'll dock it into your headset, so it will have some kind of VR thing. Of course, patents sometimes are just there, so in case they have the idea, you most of these are never used. So it's again. I'm very curious to see what will happen during the event, which for some weird reason Nintendo decided to hold uh, hold it during Japanese time. So it will air, I think, at 11 p.m. here. So pretty much no one will view it live. I guess it doesn't really matter when you think about it. But still, I, I would have rather them try to make a big event out of it here because the bigger market is here than in Japan. But that's their strategy. They're probably smarter than me, but who knows? I don't. I don't know about that anymore. You've grown a lot. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. We, we will see. Um, now, 
Moving on, outside of that, um, we had some some pretty funny stuff from Square Enix, so I'm going to just round up all of this. Um, just it, it really cracks me up. I don't know what the hell is happening with the video game industry, but it's it's like we're getting announcements for announcements of announcements. <laughs> it's crazy. First, like... Uh, Square Enix started teasing, saying, well, we're going to have announcements soon about the 30th anniversary of Final Fantasy. So, okay, that's cool. Then the other day, they just released, like, a, like a little teaser site, which basically says, oh, we're going to have an announcement on January 31st that they're going to hold some sort of, like, uh, Final Fantasy 30th anniversary event. Um, but think of that. So, first, we're going to make an announcement soon. So that, that's like a teaser of the announcement. Then the announcement happens, and it's actually not an announcement. It's an announcement for the announcement of... Well, not for announcement, but it's an announcement to tell you when the event's going to be. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, they could have just sent out a press release. Hey, guys, on January 31st, we're going to have a uh, some event and leave it at that. I just I find it so funny. Anyways, um, so on what's interesting about January 31st, like in particular is that it marks the 20th, that day marks the 20th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. So I think it goes without saying, you can expect some updated information on the Final Fantasy VII remake, because why else would they hold it on that very specific date? Now the other thing that's kind of cool, and they do this a lot in Japan, we're not so lucky here, um, is that they actually invite a set number of fans so what they're doing is there's a specific website you can go to if you live in Japan, and you can enter in your information, who you are, where you live, that sort of stuff, and they're going to randomly select, it's basically like a lottery system, 200 fans that will be invited to this particular event where they're going to talk about you know, what their plans are for the 30th anniversary of the series. Now, we already know that next year there's going to be some interesting stuff. There's the Final Fantasy 15 DLC that will slowly be coming out. It's all story-driven DLC. Uh, we also have Final Fantasy 12 that remaster. I think it's called the Zodiac uh, something or other. I don't, the I don't Zodiac recall. Age? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Um, and then, of course, now um, rumors have said that the first episode, because that's right, it's going to be an episodic uh, release of the Final Fantasy VII Remake, would uh, be released next year, but we don't know. We have no idea of that. Personally, I, did, I can't imagine, unless like the first episode is just going to be like two hours, I cannot imagine how they're going to do this. Because for those that don't know, Final Fantasy VII is a gargantuan video game. It's like, it's, it's massive. So anyway, um, so I thought that was pretty cool, and I was kind of wondering if, um, like, not if, but what they're going to release over the, uh, over the year to celebrate the 30th anniversary. And for those, again, that are not aware, they, they do some pretty amazing things in Japan. Uh, usually North America and Europe, we, we sort of get the shaft. Um, I don't know if you, if you even know this, Stephen, but for the 25th anniversary, they released a what they called the Ultimate Collection. And it basically was the, the, the last versions of every single game released in the entire series. And I thought that was absolutely insane. So everything that you could possibly imagine from the main game, so like Final Fantasy... One, I think it was the PlayStation 1 version, I want to say. I might be wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Whatever. But they released literally PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Final Fantasy 1 through 13. Every single game that was released in the main numbered series was there. They included movies. They included soundtracks. They included all kinds of nonsense. And obviously that did not make its way here which was unfortunate because there, this is a, a worldwide franchise and now that all of these games have been released all over the world in multiple languages, there's no real reason not to do that. If they make it like a Square Enix online store exclusive, I don't really get why they wouldn't release something like that. I mean, it, it was crazy expensive. Eh? I think it was like $400 or something maddening um, when you converted the yen to Canadian. So... American would have been probably like 300 or 350 or something like that. But I'm curious, um, 
like I, I know you're not a huge giant Final Fantasy fan, but I'm just wondering. Um, I, I'm sure you're, you're like me, thinking that they will make a big deal out of this um, next year. I assume you believe that. <laughs> I really don't care about Final Fantasy. I don't <laughs> okay, really perfect. Know how and why I'm like that? I, I, it's just a series that never grabbed me. So okay, well that's all right. Maybe they'll do like something, but I wouldn't hold my hopes up because they they took like ten years to do FF fifteen, and now Final Fantasy seven is probably gonna get released. I say never, but apparently episode one is in twenty seventeen, so maybe that's your big event. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm what really surprises me though, man, is that Dragon Quest is having its thirtieth anniversary and what's so bizarre for me for that is they didn't really do much at all for it. And that shocked me. I, I thought for certain they would have released like some sort of compilation or just something, but they really didn't do much. Now, I'm going to check while, uh, while we're chatting here. What was the original Dragon Quest 1 release date? Let's see. Because I could have sworn, yeah, 1986. So I don't understand. Like, the, this is the 30th anniversary, and they did Bubkiss, man. There was, like, nothing that they did this year. And I think potentially that's because Dragon Quest XI was not ready. Um, I mean, there was a couple of releases here and there, but there was nothing spectacular. Like, I don't understand why they didn't take, say, like all the uh, Famicom, Super Famicom, hell, even like the DS, um, Dragon Quest Nine, like, get all the way up to 10 and just release that. Like, put it all on one disc or, or a couple of discs and, and shoot that out. I don't understand. They could have done the originals if they didn't want to interfere with, like, the DS ones there. Or release the release it on the 3DS and have like some sort of giant compilation that included the whole series. I was really disappointed, to be honest, that there was really not much for the 30th anniversary, especially in Japan. I mean, I would understand worldwide, but nothing in Japan? That seemed really weird. But didn't they do something for the 25th of Dragon Quest? Like really? They did. So at some point, do you have to do something every five years? Like no, no, years, no. You have to do something for 35th and 40th and 45th. Like, where do you draw the line? I think that, well, you see, that's the thing. Like, under normal circumstances, right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything. I would have said, like, you know, 25th anniversary and maybe, like, 50th or whatever. But what's odd is that they're doing it for Final Fantasy. And that's why I was like, that's so strange. Because they had huge things for the 25th anniversary. Everything from orchestras that they released to collections to all kinds of jazz. And now they're doing it again for the 30th. And I just thought it was so odd that, well, if you're going to do it for Final Fantasy, and most of this stuff is going to be Japan exclusive anyways, like, I just thought that was kind of weird that's all okay um next little bit of news before we jump on to our main topic and the main topic is where we're going to spend the bulk of this conversation otherwise this is going to be a really tiny uh podcast but um by the time you guys have watched this um unfortunately for you uh, well, I guess, unfortunately for us, there will have been a huge blowout of news for Dragon Quest XI. Um, at the Jump Fiesta, or Festa, I forget how what, what it's actually called, we already went over it, about all the different information and like some of our thoughts and concerns for Dragon Quest XI. Uh, but on December 29th, which means by the time you watch this, you've, like, that date's already gone, we'll have an update uh, most likely in our next, uh, in our next episode. Um, but yeah, there's a, uh, there, there's, there was this special called Dragon Quest and Onward to a New Legend, and it's going to, um, well, it's not going to, it has already been <laughs> played on Japanese television, and, um, and so we'll have a, a full report of that, but personally, I'm really looking forward to this, because now, apparently, the game is further along in development than we originally, well, we, than I originally thought, 
Um, so it's looking very likely that uh, 2017 will indeed be the release date in Japan for Dragon Quest XI, which is great because uh, that will give us some really unique content. I don't know if I should do a Let's Play because I think a Let's Play might be dangerous because if the game does get released over here, it could just be one of those things where we get tons of copyright um you know, what are they called, copyright claims or strikes or whatever. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do um, with that, but I'm definitely going to have some sort of coverage of that because I'm really, really excited for that. Don't be afraid for a little danger, man. No, no, I, not, not at all. I, I know now for videos, I know now, like don't show anything with Overture. If you do that, you're done. They'll, they'll pull the video. But the rest, we should be good. But we'll see. We'll see. So you have anything you want to add? Anything new that you've been up to or anything like that before we jump into the main topic? Yeah, just a little quick little thing. Uh, I've talked, I've texted you. Uh, I started two days ago a Pokemon uh, Nuzlocke, an Egglock rather, and a Versus 2 against a friend. So basically what we're doing, we're using the regular Nuzlocke rules, but the which twist is that every time we catch a Pokemon, we trade it for an egg that uh, the other person ha- uh, yeah hatched. Well, it's not hatched yet, but breeded for us, so we get like b- basically random Pokemon that we don't know of, and it really makes for an interesting challenge. And my kind of mini topic was: Have you ever done something similar? Like basically decided to play a game in a way that made it either more challenging or in a specific rule set that's not necessarily available. And what I mean by that is that in Nuzlocke rules, when a Pokemon faints, it's considered permanent, but there's not really anything preventing you from using it again. It's made rules that you uh, decided on by yourself. So you could technically cheat without like the other person knowing it. So that's what I was wondering. If you ever played a game in a specific way, just to give yourself a different... Uh, challenge or a different way to play the game yeah my brother and i um two two of them two games we did like that uh, but they're more they were more one of, okay whoa boy have english here super metroid um we did different types of runs not so much like what you're talking about it was more like you know what was the like could you beat the game with the least amount of uh items um, you know, stuff like that. More a Link to the Past, though. A Link to the Past was one where we did come up with all kinds of bizarro rules, like uh, you you had to do dungeons in a very specific order, uh, things like that, um, because it was a lot harder. Like, so, for example, you could say, okay, the maximum number of hearts you can collect are six, but you can only collect hearts in this particular order. In other words, saying, so, let's say for the first... I don't know, the first three dungeons, you're not allowed to collect hearts. Um, and then for the, the, say, the next three crystals, you're allowed one heart. The next three, you're allowed one heart. You know, things like that. Um, and then giving the specific order, saying that, okay, you must do this, uh, like, um, like Blind's Castle type thing, you, like Blind's Dungeon. You have to do Blind's Dungeon uh, before you acquire X, Y, or Z. You know, things like that. So that, yeah, and that was really fun back in the day. But that was, that was, I think, the only time I really did that because that was a game where, man, if if only there were an internal clock in that game, I would love to see how much time I spent <laughs> in that game. But yeah, that I did that, um, my God, for like three years or something like that back when the SNES was relevant, I guess you could say, or when it was like the current gen system. So yeah, but nothing, nothing really. I, I don't think anything else. Yeah, I don't think there was anything else. Yeah, okay, that's that was basically it. Really, I, I just wanted an excuse to talk about Pokemon and then kind of make it into a, an own its own topic. No, that's okay. Uh, speaking of Pokemon, I actually just finished Sun. Yay! I was uh, very, very happy. I liked the ending. I liked... Uh, you're right about the music, you know? When you mentioned that in the last podcast, I wasn't really, you know... It's not something I guess I was really paying attention to for whatever reason, but I actually started paying attention to it. And I was like, yeah, damn, man, this is actually really good. Um, so... 
I was happy with uh, with Pokemon Sun, and it's funny now. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go back and play the others. Part yeah. of me is like, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was watching. I think I texted you. I was watching your yellow review uh, two days ago for some reason. Then I wanted to go back and watch your crystal review, and then I want to see your emerald review once you do that. And I was like, it would be really interesting to see your. Uh, your thoughts on the generation uh, four and fifth, but really, I don't know if you you'd be able to because generation four is my least favorite, and generation five, although generation five technically is the only one we don't have a review for, because I I did a review for black and white two, and I did a review for diamond and pearl, so we have generation four covered, and generation five we have black and white two the sequels, but we don't have one for black and white. So maybe one day when there's no time, so basically it will never happen, but you should check out Black and White. That one is worth it. And I'm sure, but it's like you, it's like it's going to be hard to go back with all the improvements they did to Sun and Moon, like with the HM removal and all that stuff. It's like, I don't see myself being able to go back. Although I've been playing, I was playing Platinum a bit before Sun and Moon come out because I was really, really in the mood. And I think I'm at like five or six badges now in Platinum. So I would like to finish that one, but it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, you said it, man. You said it. That's just it. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. And I was thinking about the future. And I mean, I guess we could save this for, for a, a topic uh, in a fanboys. But... Like, where the hell do they go from here? Because it was funny, while playing the game, and I, I was, like, cognizant of this, I was really paying attention to this, they kept saying over and over and over again, oh, well, you know, like, HMs, it's not really part of this region. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, well, no, but that's specific to this region. And it's like, well, no, you know, like, I don't want them to go back to the way it was like these are some really good gameplay improvements that they've made that just make sense and i'm really wondering where the hell do they go from here i mean yeah there's lots of things i know you could you could go on and on and on in terms of different things that they could fix or change or tweak or add or what have you but i'm really wondering like I, I, like I told you uh, when I texted you, I was like, I would like to go back to the Kanto region, but with these new rules and these new settings and somehow added into the story that the Pokemon have changed. So the, the region isn't just a carbon copy, but at the same time, for nostalgia purposes, make it so that there are certain areas that are exactly the same. Like, I, I would be really into that. And I'm not even this hardcore Pokemon fan um, like from the very beginning, and I would really be interested in seeing something like that. Yeah, I don't really want to spoil the the game, but like they 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 do mention Kanto a lot during Sun a lot. And Moon. Yeah, and there is like a specific character that that goes there post game that you don't see much after or or at all. So, and there's a rumored Pokemon Stars that's being made for Switch, which is apparently the third version of Sun and Moon which would be interesting because the third version has not been done since Generation 4. But I really think they should call it Eclipse, first of all. It would make a lot more sense because, like, technically a sun is a star, but whatever. And, like, I really would like it if instead of just making a third version with a few minor elements, they would actually make it so that you actually go and explore Kanto and do various tasks after the main game. That would be really like the gold and silver twist, and it would really make it uh, worthwhile to experience sun and moon again. So hopefully they do something similar, because I really want to go back to Kanto like you, and see how much has changed since then. Because with gold and silver, you actually do go back to Kanto in there, and things have changed. Like I, I think there's a gym leader or two that are different, and like the yeah, one of the gym leaders, Koga, is actually in the Elite Four, if I remember right, in Gold and Silver and Crystal. So there's some minor changes here and there. It was a quite a lot of fun, but that was done on a very very limited system. So they actually 
Kanto was basically like a ghost town. You could tell that they did not have much room to do anything else. So I would like to see them do something spectacular with new hardware or even the 3DS. Like it, it, it's, it would be something. I'd really love that. Yeah, you and me both, man. That would be really, really cool. Because that's the thing I noticed at the end of the game. I was like, oh, man, it would be cool to go back, you know? It'd be really cool to go back. And the fact that they, you know, recently released Pokemon um, Red, Blue, and and um, and uh, Yellow, it, it makes it even more fitting to me. So, okay, with all that out of the way, this is our main topic of the show. It's our last topic but uh this is going to be an interesting discussion or at least i hope um over the last few weeks uh playstation had their playstation experience dun, 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 dun. and uh aside from some pretty neat things happening uh the one thing i want to mention is the fact that it was really interesting they they did a little switch on us um they started out sony started out with a video highlighting a Naughty Dog game, which is actually just going to be a single-player story-driven DLC, sort of like um, they did behind. for The Last of Us. Sorry? Left Behind. Yeah, Left Behind, thank you. Um, but it's for Uncharted 4, and it's called, oh, Jesus, Lost Legacy, I think? No idea. I didn't see that part. I just heard of it. Ah, damn it. I think so. Anyways, whatever. Um, and I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but the point was that everyone, myself included, at that point was like, oh, well, okay, I, I guess that's what they're working on. But then it was really great. I forget who it was, but someone right at the end was like, you know, thanks for coming, but we do have one more thing to show. And you see the Naughty Dog logo eventually plays up, but we already knew what it was by the time that happened. And it was a teaser trailer for The Last of Us 2. And that really caught me off guard because you don't see that from Naughty Dog. It's like they work on, on one project at a time, um, at least publicly. We always know that they're working, ever since the original Last of Us, they've been working on um, two games at once. Actually, ever since Uncharted 3, they've been working on two games at once. Uh, but it was the first time that we've ever actually seen Naughty Dog working on two projects and then officially reveal that to uh, to the public, which I thought was really, really surprising. But I want to let Stephen, I've been talking forever here, I want to let Stephen go on and, I mean, there's lots we can talk about, not only with the trailer, but we can talk about our hopes, dreams, concerns, what have you, for The Last of Us Part 2, which is what it's called. Yeah, actually, just some minor corrections before we start. Uh, and this is coming from Colin. Uh, apparently, they're not two teams anymore since The Last of Us. They're back to one team. So Last of Us Part 2 is was is probably not even like... The, the development of that game probably barely started like a few months ago. So it's very, very early on. But I, I really like the fact that they ended with that just to show us that it is coming. Apparently... Uh, Naughty Dog was waiting for the perfect story to st to tell. They they were never sure if there was going to be a sequel to The Last of Us. And I've always been clear in the past that I never really wanted one. But I think secretly I was lying to myself. Because Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time. And it's one game that I, like you with Link to the Past, I can put I can put in my PlayStation and play any day of the week. And I'll have a blast and I'll play it through completion. I just love that game. And I really want to go back with Joel and Ellie and that universe. Like, I really like that. I really love, and I just want to spend more time in it and see what happens. And, like, this is a dream come true for me. I can't wait to play it. And really, really curious because the, the teaser trailer did not reveal that much. But it was basically something happened that pissed off Ellie and now she wants to kill a bunch of people and there have been some pretty strong rumors that in the trailer it seems that it's obvious that Joel is is it Joel his name? Joel Joel uh, is actually dead and you, what you see is uh, Ellie imagining him so I, that would be something interesting like obviously it would be sad if that's true because it's already spoiled but I would really really love if because I always love revenge stories for some reason, and if something happened that 
to Joel. Of course, Ellie will be pissed, but then will they actually bring up the end of the original game? And I think we can spoil it because it's been out forever where Joel saves Ellie from uh, from getting killed to actually extract the cure. So and and he doesn't really tell Ellie. Although I always thought that Ellie knew. I always thought that uh, Ellie knew what happened, but she kind of just like I don't know, shrugs it off. But it seems she has doubts of what Joel is saying is uh, is the truth. But I don't know. I'll let you talk for a bit here. Oh damn you! Well, thanks for ruining the game for me, man. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, well. First things first, um, just based on, on what little we saw, saw of uh, Joel, I'm kind of with everyone else there. Um, I showed the trailer to Serena, who really, like, she couldn't care less about this. She's like, oh, wow, great. Even though she liked The Last of Us, like, that was one of the first times where she was actually actively watching me play a video game. She was like, holy crap, this is sick. Um, but... She was like, well, he's dead, right? Uh-huh. Like, right away. That was the first thing Serena said. And I, I turned to her and I'm like, well, why do you say that? She's like, well, he looks exactly the same as he did in the first one. Like, his hair doesn't look any more gray. To be, uh, just to add quickly, I'm a dumbass, so I did not catch up on any of this. I, I heard from that during a podcast, but I, I, did you, were, were you like Serena? Did you see that right away or no? Uh, the, well, for me, it was I was like something's off. That's what I saw because I too noticed that when when you saw like the back of his head and stuff like that, it's been a number of years now, and he should look way worse than he did. Because let's be honest, if you know the way it is, it's like people in war torn countries, you age a lot quicker because of the constant stress, and it's the same thing like that. Like if you were in that setting. You would age fast. So I, I didn't think that he was dead. I did get that after myself. Um, like when Serena told me, I, I was like, oh, yeah, shit, I could see that. But it, something was off. I was like, this, this seems off. Like, why would Ellie run into a house, kill everybody, and then start playing on a guitar? And then, and then Joel just slowly come in no blood on him, no sign of that he was involved in any struggle at all. And he just like, you know, you, like, you really going to do this, kiddo, or whatever it is that he says. Um, so I, I thought something was off there. But whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, I'm with you. Um, I'm one of these people that there were certain games last generation, and alas, I have not really had those this generation, which is sad. But to be fair, I also haven't played nearly as many games as I did last gen. But last generation, there were a couple of games that I didn't really want sequels to. Um, they were Bioshock and they were uh, and The Last of Us. Because I was like, these games are quite literally like perfect. Like I love them the way they are. I really do. A lot of people really knocked the ending of Bioshock, and I never really understood that. Like I thought that was actually a good way of wrapping up that story, but whatever the case may be. Um, with The Last of Us, though, it's funny because... Maybe just like Bioshock, maybe I am lying to myself. When I played Bioshock 2, though, it didn't do it for me. And I, I sort of stand by what I said originally, that I don't think, like, it didn't need a sequel. Unless there was some way you could sort of figure it out, it didn't really need one. And um, with The Last of Us 2, though, it's intriguing. You see, if it would have just been the same thing, Joel and Ellie going on to do what? You know what I mean? Like, that's where I understand what Naughty Dog was saying. And I did not know about that. Uh, sorry about that for the two teams there. Um, but yeah, it's it's like, I agree with that. Like, well, what are we going to do? Like, what, what the hell is this actually going to be about? Really? What is this game really going to be about? We can't just regurgitate the exact same thing we did the first time around because that's kind of boring. And you can't have, oh, the Fireflies are still looking for Ellie. And no, like, that's, that's boring. But what if, what if Joel is dead? And in this sort of new game, you, you have, like, flashback scenes. Uh, maybe, you know, 
he is like this ghost type of thing. Um, the only thing is that the gameplay was so good with the two of them that I'm wondering how they could sort of incorporate that. Like, if he's a ghost, obviously he can't help Ellie out. So I'm not sure how they're going to do that. But there are definite signs here that maybe things are going to change because Naughty Dog's already said that Ellie is the main character. And so, like, the story will revolve around her and that this is a story about hatred. Now, this is... I mean, they could be doing a giant switch on us again, but to me, the signs are there and maybe this isn't really bad because i've had a few friends that were like well why would they release a trailer like that it's so obvious that he's dead and you're spoiling everything but what if the game begins and you know he's dead like immediately even in commercials that they release or whatever that they're like no no he's dead and you're out for revenge and it's about the story of what exactly happened and maybe even ellie coming to terms with the ending of The Last of Us. And, and if, if, you, if I start to think of it like that, I'm like, you know what? There's a really interesting story there. This could actually be phenomenal, given the, the talents at Naughty Dog. I'm going to just throw my theory here, is that The Last of Us started with a really, really ba- a big bang with the death of Sarah. I believe that's what her name is, which is yeah. jo- Joel's yeah. daughter. That was amazing. That hooked me in the game right there it i think it takes about an hour for you to get to that point or an hour and a half but right there i was hooked and the game got me and it never let go i think they might go for a similar thing here i think joel might die in the first hour or the first two hours i think that's that might be again i'm just theorizing here but i would really like that and even if joel is not even if this is not true, because Naughty Dog doesn't usually usually keeps its surprise well hidden. But if if what you're saying is right, if they don't intend to keep Joel's death as a surprise, if they're really really uh, they, they don't want this, they don't want to hide the fact because they don't need to because the the story by itself will have other surprises and will be uh, very entertaining by itself. Even if we know this, and like I said, I think it it will happen in the first hour. But the death of Sarah was was not something I was aware of, and I don't think it was something that was spoiled. But it kind of like I always thought that, that by the end of the game, like Ellie and Joel had a father and daughter relationship. It almost like Joel was never really got over the loss of his daughter, as any parent probably never does. But it kind of felt like for for him especially at the end where when Ellie he he knows that they're going to kill Ellie where he just goes berserk for him Ellie is, is his new daughter now he he will do anything to protect her and i think the relationship between these two because at the beginning they hate each other and at the end they're like one of the strong they have a strong bond i really love that and i think this will even if Joel is dead like just a just he can be as alive as any other character just by being uh, Ellie in Ellie's imagination or just having the impact that Ellie and Joel has as a relationship. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, that was, that. that's one of the reasons why I thought the first one was just perfect. I remember texting you and stuff um, because you were you were on my ass. You're like, send me the copy, send me the copy, send me the copy, send me the copy. And I knew from the moment that scene happened with his daughter in the beginning of the game, I was like, this is it. Because I had never been more like hooked into a game than that because I did not see that coming. I just really didn't see that coming. And... And yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's exactly what what they'll do. Um, And I would be okay with that. I really would be okay with that because that you like what they could do is they could do it in such a way that you think that that's the big surprise and stuff. Because the first time around, let's be honest, no one knew anything about anything, right? Like, we really didn't. Uh, We had no idea how the dots connected. And they can still do that this time around, where we don't know how everything is connected. But regardless, I think that that would be very powerful, because that was the message I got from the original Last of Us, which was that he never did get over his daughter's death. 
And in the end, from this unlikely source, he was able to find love again, you know, like he was able to to sort of feel what it was like to be that father figure again. And, and that sort of was his his savior. Like that's what kept him going in this world gone crazy or gone mad. And so I would imagine that if if they they do go in this direction that you know that I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of like you know drill that home maybe not in flashbacks but maybe in some of the dialogue talking about how they did have some like a couple of really amazing years and that the two of them sort of relied on one another not only for survival like physically but also mentally in the sense that you know they sort of like they were there for one another through thick and thin in this world gone mad and losing that is what sets her, you know, like on this rampage where she goes absolutely insane and they could then add in some of the elements that maybe she doesn't know, you know, maybe Joel was able to convince her that, yeah, the fireflies really were full of crap and no, you, you weren't, um, you know, what they thought you were and so on and so forth. And then, they can unravel that where she comes to terms with, you know, yeah, yeah, you actually were. And, and the sacrifice that you were willing to make was robbed of you, but it was robbed of I, you for what? I really don't think, and I hope they don't go that way because that would kind of imply that Ellie's dumb. Because if you think about it, if why she knows how, she, how could she wake up? Uh, like days after and she doesn't even see the fireflies she doesn't even see what what was the name of the woman that she was very fond of yeah yeah i know um... and all of a sudden he's just oh it didn't work where i i i I don't think i i think that would be like i I don't think that would be that would be bad writing and i don't think naughty dog would do that well whatever the case may be it's going to be very interesting to see how they do it. And like I said, I think there's a good story there. I think that that, that is a justification to green light this project and make something, um, you know, and make another game because that could be, that could be it, you know, like that could be your catalyst for doing this. And, and I'm okay with that. I think that actually could be really, really interesting. Yep. And when do you think this is coming out? Oh God. Realistically, knowing naughty dog, <laughs> Um, I think this might be the last of us for the PS4. So in other words, like the last game before PS5 hits. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the last big game before PS5 hits. There's no way, if anyone thinks they're getting this in like the next year or two, they're, they're out of their minds crazy. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be uh summer 2019. Strangely though, Greg, Greg Miller predicts that it's going to be summer 2018 or fall 2018 so who knows it's going to be fun to see but like i cannot wait to get to hear more about this although i'll be surprised if we hear anything else in 2017 maybe a small trailer at e3 but like i said this is a a game that's years off so i don't think they want to show too much yeah i think i think much the same. I think if you're lucky, you'll get like an, uh, an E3 trailer and that'll be, that'll be about it. Um, but there's one other thing, man, before we uh, depart here. And that is, I'm excited now for a whole other reason. Because what are they going to do next? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure next is a new IP. Exactly. And that that's quite exciting. This is the first generation where Naughty Dog has not created a new IP. Um and and that's that's interesting to me because if if PlayStation 5 or whatever the hell it's called is indeed a thing and I I think it is. I mean it's it's I think the sales are showing that the PlayStation 4 Pro is not what the consumer wants. I mean, I've been looking at sales worldwide and it's, it's just okay. It's not 
replacing the current PS4, which if people truly wanted, you know, all those, you know, bells and whistles, one would assume that the two sales figures would flop, you know, that the PS4 Pro would be outselling the PS4, but that's not what's happening right now. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure, well, I mean, we'll have a better picture in like six months or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be obvious that this isn't going to do what Sony was hoping it was going to do. Um, so moving on to a new platform with a new IP from Naughty Dog, that could be very, very interesting. I mean, that could be very, very interesting. They did it. The last time they did this was with, uh, um, well, obviously the last of us, but also with the very first uncharted. So when PlayStation three was first, first released and we started getting you know starting hearing about this uncharted game from naughty dog that was that was exciting i mean it was something completely different than what they had done up to that particular point in time and then when they tackled the last of us the last of us again was really different than uncharted and everything else that came before it and so i'm really curious to see where they they go from here like what is what's in store for naughty dog in the like 2022 sort of time frame, something like that. And I can't believe we're talking about 2022. I think Naughty Dog's strength is storytelling and presentation. So I wouldn't be surprised if they switch, they switch uh, genres again and they go uh, from action adventure or action, whatever you want to call it, to the open world Western RPG style. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that, especially if Horizon does well, and I think it will. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. And that would be very cool. I mean, honestly, with these guys, this is the one developer now that I'm good. You know, like whatever they do, I'll be there and I'll purchase that because I have not been disappointed in their games since the original Crash Bandicoot. So that that's very rare for me to say that for a developer. So that's pretty much it, man. Um Unless you have anything else you'd like to add on any of these subjects, I'm going to call it a day. No, I would just like to wish our viewers and listeners a very happy new year. I hope you enjoyed our content during 2016, and hopefully we'll be able to continue this trend in 2017, and hope everything is well with you in your lives. Well, that's very nice of you, and I just was going to say the exact same thing, except uh, I'm just going to say Happy New Year, everybody. Make it one to remember by keeping it locked to Project COE's YouTube channel. I was going to say .com, but uh, that's pretty much dead. Alrighty then. Alright, guys. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us, as always, and you all be good. Take care, everyone.